Welcome to the first edition of the Too Deep Hokies Under the Influence podcast. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, say hello. Hello, everybody. Appreciate you guys listening in. Robbie and I are super pumped about bringing you guys this podcast. He actually reached out to me and asked me if I would co-host a Hokie football podcast, and I pretty much jumped at the chance. We're both diehard Hokie fans. I was an 06 grad. Robbie was an 05 grad. And uh, we just wanted to put something out there every week for all the people that can't get enough Hokie football. We know that we can't get enough. And by no means are we broadcasters or journalists. We're just trying to, you know, have some fun talking Hokie football. We called it Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, because we wanted to have some drinks while we record this thing. We want you to have some drinks while you're listening. Just as if you're kicking around in the man cave or at the bar talking Hokie football, we want you to enjoy yourselves. And we want to start with a tradition. You can't get too deep without going one deep. So we want to start with a shot of Wild Turkey 101 every episode. And if, Robbie, you could give us a quick cheers, we're going to rip this thing right now. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll give a cheers, I think, uh, is most appropriate this year to getting rid of those seven and eight win seasons. Uh, they, many programs probably would enjoy that, but that's, uh, that's not up to par for us. So let's hope for more this season. Um, and in the tenure that Beamer's had, he's been able to produce uh, a lot of uh, up in nine, 10, 11 win seasons. So let's hope for that this year. And with that, let's, uh, let's do a cheers and get this started. Cheers, big guy. Okay. Well, that starts it off. Yeah. Well, we want to have some fun with this podcast, as you can probably tell. We want to have some laughs, some jokes, some shticks every week. But we also want to inform and, you know, give the the most accurate opinions we can, which most will probably disagree. But, you know, we're going to do our best. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're recording this on Sunday, August 23rd, and the AP poll happened to come out today. The Hokies were not in it. Not a big surprise. But uh, we did come in at 29th, I think, in the receiving votes, if you want to go there. Uh, we're mainly coming in uh, between 20 and 30 in most of the preseason polls, uh, which I think is about right. And I think Robbie would agree that we don't want to be ranked going into this season. Uh, I love it. I, I think it's a, a great spot for us outside of the top 25. I was a little bit worried because of the Ohio State game. People would have pressured us and pushed us up into the top 25 so i think it's a great spot for us keeps us a little bit off the radar which i always love going into the season we always want to be off the radar if you're vt we play better we i feel like ever since we were in school we play down to our opponents and we play up to big opponents so i'm happy being unranked going into the season we wanted to get into a little bit of a fall camp uh, update and just how things are going and this is you know what we've been reading what we've been uh you know seeing out there and there's been some positives, some negatives coming out of camp. And uh, thankfully, it's been mostly positive. Uh, I, th- I think gonna- I think a couple of of key items that I think we had on, on the positive side. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit. I love him, Isaiah Ford. Um, he came out after an amazing both fall, summer, and spring practice, spent a lot of time um, in voluntary practice during the summer, which uh, he didn't have to uh, alongside Brewer. And I think one of his comments was, in comparison to what you saw last year, this year is going to be night and day, which is surprising for a guy that had 56 catches, about 700 yards last year. He came out and said that he he and Cam are holding each other um, very close 
um, you know, trying to make sure that they both are striving towards those thousand yard seasons. So I thought that was one of the more positive things. I mean, it's amazing to have one of our receivers actually say something positive after all these years. I mean, we've had good receivers. Don't get me wrong, but Ford is potentially the best receiver we've ever recruited, recruited in terms of just route running ability, hands, like the whole package, like he has it all. And we all want that thousand yard receiver. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but it's great to hear your number one guy who's only a true sophomore saying that kind of stuff. It's, it's a, it's a huge plus. We're pumped about that. That's absolutely right. I think Faison um, is looking healthy. Uh, Trey Edmonds also looking very healthy. Um, you know, Bud came out and said he's seeing uh, the, the Faison that he saw back in 2013 after obviously the injury last year, which was unfortunate and him having to play through some of that during the early games. I'm glad he took that time off. I hope he has his head tied on right and he's, he's ready to be aggressive this year. And I think he is. So again, really positive news. No doubt. I, I love to hear that face on his back. I, I, you know, we're treading lightly here because face on has shown an injury history, but it is a huge positive. He has been looking great. And especially yesterday's scrimmage. Apparently he was just a blanket all day. Uh, Trey, you know, he's the man. I love Trey. He's always kind of run with like a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up, but you know, he's a solid player. He blocks well. And the fact that if he's looking the best he's ever looked, I mean, he's a load, He's strong as an ox, and you know I'm just happy to hear that these guys are healthy and like ready to contribute again. Face Sun is, I think, a little bit more of a plus just because of our depth at running back, but those are two big positives for sure. Yeah, and I think Trey in the offseason said he'd put on like 15, 10, 15, 20 pounds or something along he, those lines. It's like 225 right now. Six one two twenty five. That's That's NFL running back right there. Yeah. Well, he he spent the off season and he got ready for this season, so I'm excited to see what he did, does. Um, you know, two others that we're not going to hit on directly. We'll touch them later on as we go through each of the positions. Uh, Adonis, you know, Alexander, um, and Tim Settle, both true freshmen. A lot of positive things happening there, but let's let's get into that a little bit later on. A lot of good stuff coming out about the true freshmen. Of her. I'm, I mean, you can't get help but get excited when you're seeing those Snapchats, and I think that's the next positive that we're getting into is just that that Snapchat feed has been something else from VT Football. I mean, it's been awesome. Uh, it's just an inside look at the team that we never get to see, so it's it's been great. I mean, from a recruiting perspective, uh, let's be honest. I mean, that's the way things are going. Some people are taking people off of social media, but when you have control of it in a in a practice environment, you know nothing's going to slip out there that you don't want to be um, out to social media. I think it's a huge recruiting tool. I think it engages the fan base. I think it's awesome. So if we're doing positives, unfortunately, we're going to have to do a few negatives here. So what do you have on negatives here? And we're not going to harp on this too long, but we all know how big of a deficit was losing C.J. Rebus. I mean, he had that rover position locked down. I think the, you know, everybody was very excited, whether it was Torian or it was Bud. Everybody was very juiced up about his yeah, ownership. Yeah, was a baller, man. It's, <laughs> it's a bummer. I was telling Robbie, I was watching the spring game, and he was everywhere. He was making plays. Um, special teams on the defensive side of the ball, tackling, coming up and run coverage. I mean, he was everywhere. It, it, it's a loss. It's a loss. Now, we, if we can replenish at any position, it's, it's the DBs. But losing Revis is a bummer. But, you know, once we get into the DBs, I think you'll realize we're going to be all right back there. But losing a playmaker like Revis is kind of a bummer for sure. That's definitely a, definitely a negative coming out of camp. Yeah, and then, you know, 
Holland Fisher. I, I think, you know, it's, you go onto a lot of the boards uh, out there and people have been asking about Holland Fisher for so long and it's, it's never amounted to a whole lot. And now it looks like we may be losing him from the program. It's uh, I, I think that's kind of an unfortunate, uh, you know, from somebody that was uh, that highly anticipated. To I mean, be it was us against Alabama trying to bring him in. I mean, mm-hmm. Saban wanted him bad from, from, you know, what I understand. And we got him. Then he had to prep at Fork Union and, he finally got the tech and you're like, all right, finally. And then you look at his weight and he's like, you know, 180 pounds for a safety. You're like, well, you know, it, it wasn't adding up. Um, it just never seemed, he never seemed to have his ducks in a row, unfortunately. And it seems as if, although he's listed on the roster currently, that he will probably never suit up for the Hokies, which is a little bit unfortunate because we had big hopes for Holland Fisher. Yeah. And I think the just two other quick notes. I think um, what happened with Shy in the offseason was unfortunate. Um, you know, we're not going to harp on what happened or anything along those lines. But at the end of the day, I'm always proud that VT runs a pretty clean program. We don't run into a lot of the issues that other ones do. Um, so anything that's hitting even the you know back page of the headlines, uh, I want to keep out of there, regardless of what it was. So with that, I, I just hope our players keep doing what do they do best. Do you remember best. when... Uh when daddy like stole that bike and got kicked off the team for a few weeks. And I was like, geez, Frank, you, you're running the tight ship down there. And then when I saw the shy news, which was obviously much more egregious, I was like, this guy's never going to suit up for tech again. I know. And the fact that he's back with the team, you know, I'm psyched about it from a football aspect and we're not going to get into the morality aspect of anything that went down, but he's going to serve his suspension game one. And uh, we'll go from there. But he is a talented player, and it is only a plus to have him running the football for Tech again. But it is a negative because we don't want to see our guys in in the news for that type of stuff. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, Daddy's really turned things around after that. So it's yeah, I just thought it was funny. You know, they just like I feel like Frank. I think he got kicked off the team for a couple months for stealing a bike, (laughs) and he returned it, but it didn't matter. Yeah, and I think the last point I had was um, just. You know, in a strange way, the lack of injuries, Uh, you know, it's almost as though I'd rather get him out of the way now. But given what happened last season, when you're on your fifth and sixth running back uh, during the season, that's outrageous. And we haven't seen a whole lot. There's been a little bit here and there. Daddy's hand was in a cast and looks like he busted up his finger a little bit. But we haven't we haven't seen a lot, which makes me a little worried going into the season, actually. I I mean, no news is good news as far as the injury front goes. And I, I know what you mean. Sometimes you want to get things out of the way. There's still a few weeks to go. There was a scrimmage yesterday. Um, hopefully everyone's good. But you're right. These last two seasons with losing Schumann and Benedict right before last year, we, I mean, going years back, we've had you know Darren Evans go down with the ACL tear before the season. Like You want to avoid those big injuries in camp. And we haven't heard anything, and let's hope it stays that way. We'd be doing a disservice if we didn't, talk about Frank Beamer heading into a hockey football season and just our coaches in general. We know what Bud Foster's about. We know about the lunch pail. We're not going to get into that until a little bit later, but Robbie, I know you have some strong opinions about Frank and when he's going to leave the program and how this transition is going to go. And I'm just curious as to, to, to what are you thinking in terms of Frank? When is he going to leave? I- is this his last year? Oh, yeah, I think there's a lot of intellectual capital spent on what's going to happen with Beamer. And when you look at everything that's happened and how the schedule aligns and what you're going to be looking at in 2016, his age, he seems excited about you know, the program. Everything points to 2016 with that Tennessee game in Bristol that he's been 
architecting for the better part of what, you know, 10, 20 We've been hearing years. about that since we were freshmen. It, it's, it, it's incredible. So it's actually happening. Uh, it, it seems all the stars align for next year. So I don't understand why many people think that he's going to be around for three, four, five more years. I think he understands it. He gets it. He knows there's a time that he has to move on. And I think that's what's going to happen in 2016. No, but is this, if he goes 10 wins, 11 wins, may, uh, you know, God willing, a sugar ball or something like that. Is that it? Would he call it? No. Or, or do you think no matter what, it's 2016? I don't think so. When you look at, and this is going to get into a personnel thing, when you look at what we're returning into 2016, yeah, we are losing some people, but we are returning a really solid know, core in 2016. And this is the 2015 season preview, so let's keep it there. But, hey, when I think about hey, that 2016 you, you, you roster. You baited me. You baited me. I know. When I think about the 2016 <laughs> roster, I get a little excited. Okay, so Frank's going to be here through 2016. Is Scott Leffler on the hot seat this year? No. To make it, it happen? It's not. He's not on the hot seat. And I know this is going to be a stark difference of opinion probably from the two on this podcast with a lot of other people. But th- the fact is, and for me, it may be different for, for you, Pete. For me, if Beamer's going to be here through 2016, Scott's got the, the safest position of any any offensive coordinator in the country because what are you going to do? Bring in somebody new for, for, the, for the last season, the kind of going out? Yeah, I can't the, disagree. Yeah. I, I mean, what kind of – how are you going to get an offensive coordinator to come in one year with a nearly 70-year-old coach when that coach – you know, everyone knows it's probably going to be his last year if it – if God willing, he makes it through this year, but – yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. You're right. It doesn't seem, although he should be on the hot seat based on the fact of what our offenses have done, he probably isn't. Like, he probably is safe that regardless of what happens this year, barring a, you know, five and seven season or something like you know, where we don't go to a bowl, he'll be back. Like, he'll be back no matter what happens. I agree with that. And I think that's a, a unique opinion to us, but I think it's, it's going to shake out to be the right one. And I guess down the road, we'll find out. Robbie and I are now working on, uh, I think this might be beer number three or four. I don't know. We've been at this little, for a little bit, but uh, I'm drinking a uh, Evolution Lot 3, which is a Maryland beer. Uh, it's, I, I love this beer. It's an awesome one. It's an IPA, and it, it goes down smooth. What can I say? What are you drinking, Robbie? Uh, one of my favorites is a, a double IPA, uh, Firestone. Uh, it's the Double Jack. Um, they're out of California. A uh, place that I can't really pronounce, but uh, it's one of my favorite beers. I've been drinking it for a while, triple hopped, and it's it's amazing. Well, I think we should probably get into these positions. Uh, and if we're going to start with anyone, you got to start with DBU, right? Yeah, I think DBU is is the way to start. Uh, with with Revis, we already alluded to gone. I think the number one question for us, for everybody that uh, everybody's had in the off season, is going to be that rover position. And um, I'm curious. Pete, what your thoughts are and, and how you think that's going to play out this year and who do you think might be uh, be the one that's going to start for us? Well, by all accounts, it's going to be Desmond Fry, who's a redshirt junior. Uh, Bud seems to have the ultimate confidence in him. Uh, he's, I mean, he's been in the program. This is his fourth year in the program. He knows what he's doing, and he might not be the dynamic playmaker that Revis is, but in terms of the drop-off level, I don't think we're going to lose much with, with Fry, and he – Held held his own in the scrimmage yesterday. I, according to what I read, like he looked real good. Uh, I, I'm confident. I, I feel like Fry can handle himself back there. I think we'll be solid at Rover. Like I said, it's not 
necessarily going to be that Cam Chancellor elite level playmaking, you know, rover. But Fry will handle himself, and the way the plays, the way the safeties played last year, I'm not sure we could do a lot worse. I, I know that sounds bad on a defense that performed well, but. You know, Jared and, and uh, Bonner did not have their best year, so I like Fry at the rover position. Okay. Uh, but the free safety position is the one I'm really excited about. I love Chuck Clark. I mean, I, I don't I don't know any Hokie fan that isn't excited about Chuck Chuck Clark's future. He is an absolute playmaker. He, he was everywhere last year, and it was weird. He only got I think his first interception was in the bowl game, but it was like a one handed beautiful interception. But he was everywhere all season. He was that huge hit in the backfield in the Ohio State game. I mean, he was just everywhere. I love Chuck Clark. Big fan. I think he is amazing. I mean, uh, obviously, you, you touted the excitement that all Hokies have about him. What I, what I think is even cooler about Chuck Clark is the flexibility that we have with him. Because the fact is, is we have to be prepared for a potential injury and they've come out and they've said that Chuck Clark can play any number of positions in that backfield. So beyond what he's doing in that, that free safety, I think it's even more exciting to think about what his, his potential could be if we find ourselves in an unfortunate situation somewhere in the season and he can actually rotate over and, and move somewhere else and cover some ground, which I think is that flexibility is, is, and I think that's the beauty of any, uh, Torian gray defensive backfield in that, all the guys are Swiss Army knives. They they are capable of so many different things. So Riley was competing with Fry at the rover position initially, and now they they love Riley's versatility so much that he's basically the second guy at all the positions. It, I mean, you obviously have Fuller and Faison as your lead corners, and, but Riley's the second man up. I mean, Stroman's the nickel corner right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if Riley steps in there. Riley could step in at rover. If Clark were to go down, Riley could step in at free safety, and he looked great in the scrimmage as well. Uh, I just love our defensive backfield. I mean, it's always one of our strongest positions, but it is going to be great this year, like absolutely great. I cannot wait to watch them play. Fuller will basically be covering the best receiver on the other team every game, and you know it, it's an island out there, and he's got it covered. And you know, I'm I just love this defensive back. It's court. it's pretty amazing when you think about what Fuller's able to put on the stat sheet week in week out when nobody's throwing at him. Period. I mean, you you talk. You he's listen. still leading the nation in bre- breakups. And, exactly, and it's incredible because that means he has to be stopping almost everything that's getting thrown his way right. because people are avoiding him. In, in, in overall, when you look at it and you look at his performance. It's amazing what all of his brothers have done, what Kyle is doing right now with the Bears. But he is a absolute stud, and I'm excited not only to see him this year, but every day on Sunday come come next year. It's going to be exciting. And I want to mention just the two true freshmen that will probably be playing for our defensive backfield. Adonis Alexander will play snaps at Rover this year, and there's even talk. He looks so good. There's even talk that at some point he could be starting uh, ahead of Fry. Who even knows? But mm-hmm. – Right now, he's taken all the you know the second team snaps, and he's a beast. That now we lost Revis, but Alexander could be our next Revis. The, the Cam Chancellor comparisons. I mean, I'm I think excited. it's even anybody that calls him Cam Chancellor is like you, you got to pay attention to that guy. But I think it's losing. All right, let's he call is it only eighteen. Was. So losing <laughs> CJ Revis 
sucks. But you know what happens is we get to see a lot of what's happening with with our deeper, you know, juniors in the case of Fry, um, and then freshmen in the case of Adonis Alexander that is going to set us up for for the future. And then Mook is the guy on the outside that I just wanted to say. I mean, he's he's a second team guy right now, but Mook is going to play a lot of important snaps for us, and that he's come in like a natural. And he's probably the next great in a long line of cover corners for DBU. DBU. Let's move on to the Bud Foster coach portion of the defense, which is the linebackers. This, if you had to pick a weakness on our defense, I think people are picking the linebacking core, um, which is probably fair. But the linebackers are still, they're very, very good and would start for a lot of other teams in the country. Uh, Robbie, I'm interested huh. to hear your thoughts on our middle linebacker. Yeah, I think, I think, well, taking a step back real quick, I think, you know, at the end of the day, our, our, our backer, Dion Clark, he is, uh, I think he's solid. I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about a senior that has been in playing, learning from some of the best, you know, that we've had, uh, in his past years. At the end of the day, his, his total, you know, performance last year, 11 tackles for a loss for 64 yards. Putting that in perspective, let's think about what Daddy Nicholas did last year. He had 18 and a half, obviously, for 91 yards. And this is from a backer position. And Daddy's one of the fastest people off the corner that I think we've seen at Virginia Tech in, in a long time. I think that that position is going to be solid. I think there are a few more questions potentially around Van Dyke just because of the injuries, but let's kick things right over to where everybody is, is really focused. Yeah, and, and that's why I kicked it to you like that. But I do want to just interject that, that the Dion Clark, Dion Clark is the most underrated player on our defense. I don't I think he got enough love last year. If you watch any of those games, he is making play after play. I love Dion Clark, Huge. but yes, let, he is a good player. RVD. We know what he can do, even though he's had his injuries, but we're all wondering about Mike. And yep. that's why I, I, I tossed it to you like that. What do you think about uh, Motu Puaka? That's, that's our guy in the middle. All right. He's been riding his heels. So let's, and, you know, we'll throw a quick shout out here to, to a lot of the work that, um, you know, an organization that we spent a lot of time reading from, which is the key play. I think those guys do an awesome job. Uh, French and, and Joe and all those guys, you know, do a great job. And they've spent a lot of time analyzing that, that position for a reason. And because it's frightening, right? To see Monopuaka sit there on his heels and get run over by Trey Edmonds in the spring game does not make anybody feel good about what's going to be happening. That, that individual in that position needs to step up and fill that gap that's created by the offense pushing across the defensive line and opening that hole. Can I, can I jump in on the, on the defensive mode Tupac? Now he's a retro sophomore, so this is his third year. So he should, you know, this is when you should be turning that corner, but he is good in, uh, blitz, and cover the things when he knows what his assignment is directly, he can handle it. He's got, he's got great athletic ability. I love his size. It's when he has to read and react and that's when he struggles. And, and that's what, you know, French and, you know, the mm-hmm. TK, TKP was talking about. Um, but I still think that 
as time goes on, that will come easier. I mean, do you agree with that? A hundred percent. I mean, the the best players, and we talked about a little bit earlier about who those people that produced that. Jack Tyler was not a, a a beast of a man, but what he did was he reacted quickly. Every time he saw that, he was able, he just had that fire pin reaction to everything that was going on. And I think when Montepuaca gets that and he understands that he needs to move as soon as he sees that gap and not hesitate, he's going to be an outstanding and player. And I hope that that learning curve comes by the time we hit ACC play October 3rd against Pitt because what regardless of what happens in Ohio State Furman Purdue ECU those will all be good times for him to work on his craft and make sure he is better at that reading rack because by the time we play Pitt Georgia Tech like he needs to know where he's going when he when he sees that that read option especially yeah on the triple option uh, he needs to be on his game by the time that we walk into a Paul Johnson but if you're looking for those you know things to nitpick on our defense we're we're stretching because we are lucky to have the linebacking core that we have RVD and Dion are solid Um, and in the middle that's where the question marks are but I feel like by the time we get through September, hopefully he'll be, you know, back on his game. I think he will. So let's talk about the the defensive line. This front four for Virginia Tech, it could be it could be one of our best ever. Oh, it is going to be one of our best ever. Will it be the best ever? Is really the question and we got a little excited because I remember a few years ago, you know, we had Gale and Hopkins and Maddie and, you know, uh Collins on the other end and we're like this is going to be one of the best of all time but didn't really turn out that way they were very good this year daddy a canum on each end I mean those guys they're they're great they're amazing I mean what do you think about these guys I mean the defensive end I it it's tough to talk about the ones because it's it's so good it's so highly touted you know in every website you go to they don't stop talking on every about watch these list two. yeah it's every watch list uh, I think uh, Canham will uh, lead in sacks again over Daddy. I think people are more scared of Daddy's speed, and they're, the QBs are going to be breaking the other way. So, actually, I think it's kind of you know feeding hungry, hungry hippos. You got it on one side or the other side. It's going to end up going to the other side. So, I think not about skill, but about just the way things are going to work, that they're going to move away from Daddy. For Daddy, I think uh, I see him as having another – he's just a – beast i mean he's so fast i i, I honestly look it's got that twitch uh, I, I i watch his youtube clips a lot of times and i make sure that i'm not on fast forward that's how fast he comes around that corner and and just shakes off the offensive line and gets to the quarterback it's it's something to be watched and i absolutely love watching every clip clip of him hitting the quarterback on uh on a canum uh Apparently, in the scrimmage yesterday, he was unstoppable. He had like four sacks in the scrimmage. I mean, I'm reading the reports. You know, I wasn't there. I wasn't watching it. But both of these guys, they're elite-level talents. And it's great to finally see for Tech because we've had some guys uh, with a four-star status come in and not not end up living up to it. But Akanem was a highly tatted recruit. went head-to-head with Notre Dame. We got him. And... He had some injuries early on, but now he is he is the real deal, this guy. I, and pairing him with Daddy, and, and it's disturbing. Is, it, if I was a quarterback, I would literally be shaking in my boots. And we'll get to the defensive and, line, but when you tie that into it, it makes those two as dangerous as you are. And that's what see. I'm saying. It's like these guys get to play alongside Corey Marshall and Luther Matty. Mm-hmm. And Luther has you know many, many accolades now. 
he had some tough luck with the tendonitis in his knee last year and ultimately had to call it quits uh, a few weeks in. But I have loved Luther Matty since the you know since his first year. He played in the Sugar Bowl against Michigan. That's how long this guy's been on the team. He's been with the program forever, and he fought his way on as a youngster to to, to get into games. And Corey he Marshall is... also played in that Sugar Bowl. I was, <laughs> and he just he blows up the middle every single time. I and... always thought our D line was way better, even when we had Hop, Hop and Skip. I always thought without Luther, he was what made it go in the middle. He was what caused that extra amount of disturbance that we needed. And I love Luther. I think that he had all the potential to be a high round pick in the NFL draft. Maybe he still will. I just want to see him do it. And he, he looked good in the scrimmage yesterday too. So that's worth being noted. But no, this there's D-line, one other thing that we're going to put in here. Dude made all ACC. He only played four games last year. Like, <laughs> let's just be honest uh, for a second. Well, preseason or postseason? Honorable mention all ACC uh, <laughs> because and he only played four games. They gave him an honorable mention. I just love. I just love Luther Matty. I'm. I mean, he seems like a good dude, and you pair him with Daddy and Akinem and Marshall, and this has the potential to be such a historically good D line for Virginia Tech. And we haven't even talked about all the backups. Yeah. Who our our second string could probably start for I don't know nine out of the fourteen ACC teams. Yeah. I mean it's unbelievable. Let's let's be honest. So on the defensive end side, we're a little bit suspect. That right? is, we got we got Mahota and we got Dooley, and I think Mahota's making the move actually over from you know defensive line into the defensive end position. But yeah, and he it sounds like he's adjusted very well. So I feel comfortable. He's got to drop a little bit of weight. Maybe. Yeah, he's a little bit big sized for it. Dooley, again, a little bit suspect, but he played in 13 games last year. He wasn't the starter, obviously, but he actually did play he got a, a bunch. Yeah, last season. So that is going to be our. If one of the if if a Canem or or Daddy go down, we may be this in a little bit is trouble. your SEC Bama LSU defensive line. They, yeah. That's the level that this is at. It's as good as it gets. It's one of the top five, three, maybe number one in the country. That's how good this defensive line is. And, I mean, it's going to make the whole defense go. And it will help our linebackers, like we said, we're a little bit of weakness. It will help our, you know, it will help our DBs. And it's just going to be a great year from that line. I can't wait to see what they can do. I, I put down a different stat. I actually wrote this down, that our three deep could play for probably a hundred of 126 <laughs> FBS schools start, not just play start our third deep right now, which could absolutely play. I mean, when you come to the defensive tackles, it, it, I mean, you're Walker and Nigel and Zobchak and I mean, it goes on and on and settle. We haven't even talked about settle yet. And wow. I mean, he's are, he's going to probably red shirt, but that guy's waiting in the wings too. So it, it sounds it's ex- like he's dropping weight too. And unless he- a bomb goes off, we will be okay. At defensive tackle. I think that's how bud put it. We're going to move over to the offense, and let's start from the outside in because we got some bright spots, actually, uh, on the outside. Wide receivers, Ford and uh, Cam Phillips. I mean, these guys, they've shown us so much in year one with you know coming in cold as true freshmen. What do you think this group's capable of? Uh, I think a, a lot. Uh, it, it, it depends on the comfort level with Brewer and Brewer's accuracy this year, but there are a lot of people who have come out and said that the being two freshmen last year, that they were not in the right spots. They weren't in the right places to catch the ball. I think they have a ton of upside this season. 
the question is going to be, I have no concern over Cam or Isaiah. Isaiah. It's over the depth. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. We've been looking for that third receiver. Is it going to be Knowles, who's the senior? Is it going to be Asante, who came back to the program? Is it going to be someone else? And I had actually high hopes for Dion Newsom, but I have been hearing pretty little about him, especially in regards to the scrimmage. But he had something that he was saying that uh, Burden, the new who took over for Aaron Moorhead as our wide receiver coach, has been actually teaching teaching him to be a real wide receiver. And that got me really excited because I always thought Newsom had that little bit of an it factor to to be dynamic in this offense. But as far as the scrimmage went, C.J. Carroll, a guy most of you probably haven't heard of, he's a redshirt freshman, um, performed really well, and he's <laughs> not big, 5'7", 160, but he has been He's catching. not a dynamic player. Let's put it that way. The, 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 he is. Does he remind you of Danny Cole? Yes. He is, reminds us all of Danny yeah, Cole. Yeah, he Good ha- hands he does will make the catch. to be white. Uh, but CJ Carroll has been getting like a lot of, you know, he, he's getting a lot of high praise from any, even on punt returns too. They've been saying that he's been coming in. Interesting thing about Carroll. He went to high school with Kendall Fuller was like all conference, all three years. He was in high school. Uh, is actually a year behind Kendall, but is from good counsel. Just just a side note. But as far as that third wide receiver slot, whether it's Knowles, whether it's Carroll, whether it's Asante, Knowles and Asante are going to play on the outside. So we're probably looking at Newsom or Carroll or Chuck Meyer. I'm not that worried about it because with the flexibility of our tight ends and our running backs, they want to use Sam Rogers more in the passing game. They want to use JC in the passing game, McMillan, uh, Shai McKenzie, whoever it may be. I'm not so sure that we're going to actually have a third wide receiver on the field that much with our tight ends. And that's actually a good transition because I want to get into the tight ends. Bucky Hodges. Hold on, hold on. We're not we're not getting there. I'm going to throw uh I'm going to throw something out there. Either and it's not going to be Cam even though I love him to death. Ford will go over 1000 yards this year. Oh, period. That's right, yeah. Uh, I- period. You you're you're buying in. You think it's possible? It's absolutely. It's never possible. happened. I know it hasn't. Well, it technically has happened before they counted uh, bowl games uh, in in the playoff. They actually excluded those, so it has happened once okay. before. But I think he has enough talent to do it. But I think it's going to be the tight ends that support the wide receivers. How this many year. yards did he have last year? Uh, Seven hundred yards, and Cam Phillips had about five hundred yards. And how much did Isaiah Ford weigh last year? Uh, he was 165. I so think he's, he's up a, to 185 now. <laughs> 160 he, to 180. Saw, it was like, yeah, like 170 the most, yeah. you know. And he's playing D1 wide receiver at 170, yeah. racking up what? Six touchdowns, 700 yards in his first, you know, coming in from high school. And making some catches that were, if you go back and look at some of the catches that oh he stole gosh, out the of the ground. ECU were, and Duke. Oh, man. It was incredible. I. I, I'm so, not going to get too hot and bothered here, but I have a lot of high hopes for him. I, I like I said earlier in the podcast, Isaiah Fort is the most talented receiver we've recruited. Just skills as he steps foot on campus. If anyone can do this, what this one thousand yard thing, it's him. And extrapolating the stats, he's playing at one ninety this year. He played at one seventy in a brand new offense with a brand new quarterback last year. Robbie was saying how him and Brewer have been talking all summer. Night and day. That's what he says. If he thinks this is night and day, then that is a big, big, big step. If 
Isaiah doesn't do a thousand yards this year, that's fine because we've got Bucky, who we're about to talk about. We've got Cam, but he is the guy that will do it. Whether it's this year or whether it's next year, we will throw for a thousand yards, and he will catch those thousand yards. That is that is the man right there. Like, I, I, I sign in blood on the piece of paper right here. If on my Marcus notes. Davis could get over nine hundred. <laughs> That's a true. guy like Isaiah Ford should be able to get over a thousand. All right, I think I think let's just roll right into it. I think it's time for probably one of the more exciting positions. It that is. We have. I mean, the depth. I'm excited. I'm excited about our tight ends. I, I I can't wait. I mean, Bucky Hodges. Bucky Hodges. He is our. He's a playmaker, and we are going to need plays. You realize the Hokies had one play on offense on on a passing play that went 50 yards or more. And it was Bucky. I think it was that falling pit catch. I'm not exactly sure, but I think that was the one. He was deep on that. And I think it was a diving catch. They as had well. to review it, but it did stand <laughs> up. It did stand. We will take it. And uh Bucky is that playmaker that he looks like he's an NFL player right now. I I, I know that seems a little, you know, exaggerated. He's a red shirt sophomore and he's playing he is a position right that he now, wasn't recruited to play. He put up stats last year and that I put him as one of I think it was and I hadn't looked this one up before a top only one of fourteen tight ends that put up the same type of stats that he did in like the past like twenty years. Uh, a small guy named uh Gonkrowski or uh Rob that maybe have uh, a little <laughs> bit of success um with the the Patriots also was on that list as and he's a red shirt sophomore he can set the world he's on fire this faster year. than every linebacker and he's bigger than every db he he has the chance to do something really special this year and if he has a special year he could jump right to the nfl that's how good he is the eric ebron from unc type mold yeah. i'm i just you can't say it enough about bucky hodges but the other guy Malik or, or, or Klein, I think, because Klein well, broke out as a freshman, so true. now it's like, which one are we going to talk about? I think Malik. Malik I think you've called the him guy. the safety valve. I love that comment, and tell us about that. I, I just, whenever you need a catch in the clutch, Malik will be there. He has the size. He's got the hands. And the one knock on Malik is that he's he's had his injury issues, and in fact, I think he might have taken some special team snaps in that Sugar Bowl as well. But he's been around a long time, and I love the way he catches the football. He always seems to be in a good position. You go back to that OSU game last year, and you I watch it a lot. You know, for We'll get to this, but my wife's a, an OSU fan, and I watch it just maybe just because I like watching her team get stopped. But he caught everything. Like whenever we the were in sidelines. Dire Straits, he caught everything. That guy has surest hands uh, on the team. Maybe there's an argument for one or two other people, but it's just you can just throw it out to him, and you know he's going to catch the ball. And I love the depth that we have because Klein was our literally our starting tight end two years ago, and we no one's even talked about him for a while now because of the injury history. Yeah. But he has all the physical tools. I mean, that guy was great as a true freshman coming in. Now we with Malik and with Klein, there are some injury issues, but the it, knee injury and obviously you got the hardship waiver, so we got next year. So the, the fact that we have three of them and we can split them out and all the all the versatility it gives our offense, it just gets you so excited. And let's not you know let's not dwell too much. You know if they get injured, they get injured. People get injured all the time. But like I was saying about the third wide receiver slot, 
do we need one? We have Malik. We have Bucky. We have Sam Rogers out of the backfield. We have JC out of the backfield. You know, I think there's going to be, and we're all going to get excited for it. And people have been talking about it, a three tight end set, which try and defend that with those guys. You got one at six, six, one at six, five. I don't know what Klein's at. I haven't checked his height lately, but I think it's well over six, three. You put those three in just kind of a special three tight end set and see what the defense is going to do and with it. That, that's exciting. And it's a very exciting, but that's where La, uh, Scott Leffler will be tested because he does actually have the personnel now to do some awesome and interesting things with our sets, with the personnel that he has. Um, will he be able to execute? Will our players be able to execute? Because that's been a huge issue with our young team. You know, so what we have on the outside in terms of wide receivers and tight ends, it's exciting. But will they be able to put it all together? That's something that we'll have to wait and see. Let's move on to the position that had a lot of injuries last year, the running back position. We got a lot of guys here. uh, And part of that is because we had so many guys go down last year that a lot of guys got reps, snaps, carries, whatever. In that Miami game, I know we saw guy after guy come in and just go out over and over again. But uh, who's leading the pack right now at uh, at running back, Robbie? I think we all know it's J.C. Coleman. And for for better or for worse, it was probably that Snapchat of him, I think, front pressing. Uh, what was it, 470 pounds? I can't remember exactly. But then you had Teller come out and say, after people kind of during the interviews in the locker room saying, you know, people don't like J.C. because he's kind of a small guy. You had your offensive lineman kind of get behind him and say, listen, he front squats 10 pounds more than I do. I'm a f- offensive lineman. I kind of like that. I think he he jumps up from plays. He's earned respect in the locker room. He gets hit hard, and he jumps back out. He wants to be the person carrying the ball, and I actually respect that a lot. See, I kind of I disagree a little bit in that I think our lead back is actually Trey. Now, Trey and JC will split a lot of carries, and they'll probably end up with similar yardage numbers, but I still think that Trey – at this point, he was he beat out JC two years ago to be the lead back. That's true. And it now, according to Shane, he's as he's as best as he, he's ever looked. So, Plus some weight on him on top of that. I mean, if you if you're watching Trey, the videos of Trey, he looks like a monster. Like I said earlier, he doesn't run the smoothest. He has always kind of had a weird gait. I'm not exactly sure what it is about Trey, but he gets it done, and he's had. Good games over the years for us, and like he blocks like no other back there. Like the the he sprung Newsom in the Ohio State game on a beautiful block. I mean, he just does. He's a football player. He, he does everything. His right. vision, I think, has gotten a lot better. I think which it's gotten better. a lot better. And that was one of the things that was lacking is you would see holes and you'd be like, you know, Trey hit it, and now he's starting to really come to fruition and actually see those things. So it's great. And I want to talk about a couple of the younger guys too. And Shai McKenzie, which we, you know, we mentioned the suspension will happen for Ohio state and Trayvon McMillan. Uh, now w- people are saying, you know, Shai's going to get a red shirt. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. If they're suspending him. Well, 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 you want, you want shy in We've talked about this. I think you think shot, you think you said Marshawn should red shirt. Definitely red shirt with that AC. And you think shy shouldn't. So explain that and explain that to us. Well, shy to me on this roster is the most talented running back we've had 
since Ryan Williams. I mean, I, and I know people might say David Wilson was better. What Ryan Williams was the most talented, pure runner I feel like we had in terms of vision and power and speed, and that's what I think Shy is. I love Shy McKenzie. I also, you know, I have my my issues with the fact that you know he he got under the gun a little bit with the with the misdemeanor, but they're not going to redshirt him. They wouldn't have suspended him for a game if they were going to red. Like, how do you? If you're going to redshirt him, then there would be no need for a suspension. So I, I, I think my, that's a you. I think that's something that a lot of people have missed is is understanding the dynamics behind the scenes. I think you caught on something that's actually very unique, and I think that's true. I, why would you do that? You you wouldn't suspend someone if you're going to redshirt them. So I think Shai's going to play, and against Furman, he could drop 150 yards. Uh, th- this is a guy that, when fully healthy, will blow past Trey, blow past. JC and I have yet to see McMillan and they love his speed. But in terms of just pure talent as a runner, I think shy is the best on the roster and I'm happy to have him back in the fold at the running back position. Mm -hmm. But on day one against Ohio state, it will be Trey getting the first carries. That's, that's just my opinion. JC will factor in McMillan will factor in, but, uh, but I am just happy that we have four to five, healthy running backs that will be playing this season. Couldn't agree more. So if we, uh, you know, we've been claiming these running backs, but they got to run behind someone. And our offensive line, to say the least, has uh, had a hard time the last few years. Uh, It's been been atrocious. It's been so bad. And Kurt Newsome, <laughs> may you rest in peace. Are you, I don't know if he's dead. Hopefully he's not dead. I don't know. That's not nice. But <laughs> I think we've crossed the line here. But I'm I, sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. But, but I may agree with you. <laughs> but uh, hopefully under Grimes and now under uh, Coach Stacey Searles, the, uh, you know, the offensive line has been taking some steps forward. And from everything we see and read, that seems to be the case. This offensive line has the ability to be the best we've had since 2011. And in 2011, David Wilson ran for a Virginia Tech record 1,700-plus yards in one season. And I know even back then we were probably dogging the offensive line, but they must have been pretty good if he's running for 1,700 yards. Well, I find that actually an interesting point because we always talk about you know the Ryan Williams and the Wilsons and all these people that we've had, but they had to be running behind somebody. And, you know, exactly. We've been able to produce a decent offensive line. The question is, are we going to do it this year? So let's hit that. Well, there's a couple positives going into the year. One, we're bringing back four out of the five guys have starting experience on this line. The only one that hasn't started the game is Gallo, our center, who's taken over for Wang. Um, and if anyone knows um, Wang's history, he had, a, he had a history of being injured over and over and over again. And he might have been the most tactically sound on that offensive line, but he couldn't get off the ball and he was injured constantly. Yeah, and he's a, now he's, I think, a backup in the NFL. He actually is working in training camp, is that right? I mean, right? I'm impressed by that. And, uh, but he's also staying in touch with Gallo. So he's been watching the Twitter feed, or not the Snapchat feeds, and actually been sending, giving Gallo calls and telling him about things that he can improve just through the Snapchat feeds. And that's, I mean, that's hokey family right there. And I, I'll give him props for that. I like Wang for that, but... Wang was a malign was maligned during his tenure in tech. He he was in and out of the lineup constantly, but there will be no drop off with with Gallo. From everything we're hearing, Gallo is playing very solid at center. So let's go to the rest of the line. Yep. We got Wyatt Teller, we got Conti, we got McLaughlin, 
and we got Wade Hansen, who did move over late in, like, or I should say at the beginning of the last year, but late in the year, he had to start uh, when we lost one of our tackles, and he filled in admirably. And so you're bringing back four of the five guys with starting experience, and Teller and Conti, they aren't just like guys. These guys went, won the Excalibur Award last year. Like they are strong mofos. Like these these guys can get out in front and put someone down. And let, let's be honest. Teller got brought in for the Miami game. Like mid game, he got brought in, and he never left. Like that, that's how good he was. And they kept him in, and he still holds holds that position to this day, which I think is a testament to somebody coming in without much experience there from live game experience. And he did it. I mean, he was a redshirt freshman last year. had had also moved over. The, that's the thing about tech. We seem to bring all of our offensive linemen over from the defensive line, but whatever it takes to get someone out there that can block for the running backs, you know, I really don't care. But Teller was recruited as a defensive. Uh, tackle, I believe, and Hansen was uh, transferring from RPI as a defensive tackle, and I want to talk about some of the depth in a little bit, but Nijman was also a defensive guy coming in, and now he's he's starting to look like one of our number two tackles behind behind uh, Hansen and McLaughlin. So, that and Australia. We don't I mean, have to I go very far to recruit our offensive linemen. You just go across the line. I think that's a joke that uh, that Wiles and uh, and Searles have made, but... Uh, I mean, but depth Depth is a concern. Depth is I an mean, issue. But from fall camp, uh, they say, they were saying Osterloh has been holding his own and, in fact, has been taking some of the snaps, which has caused a little bit of a stir on TKP and in Twitter. It's like, why is Teller not taking all the snaps? And for, that doesn't make any sense. He should be first team. He did take all the snaps at the end of the scrimmage yesterday in the 1v1s. I'm not going to go crazy. I think that CRLs is just trying to build some depth. And uh, it's needed. We have, after last year, after the injuries we sustained across the offensive line, even though we had a bunch of seniors, we were hurting. We were hurting big time in terms of depth. And let's Han- talk about Hanson. Hanson stepped up last year. He's and, a walk-on that ended up going from. Well, he was a transfer from RPI. Yeah, and he did earn his scholarship. Yeah, he did earn his own. But you're right. That guy came out of nowhere to be a starting. Offensive tackle in the ACC, a transfer from RPI who was playing defensive end or something. Mm-hmm. I get, that's unbelievable. Like, defensive tackle he was, and that's incredible. That's awesome. we got lucky with that one. And he seems to have the every right. At, he's been banged up for the last few weeks, so he hasn't been playing. That's why uh, Nishman has been getting so many stat, snaps. But Hanson looks like the starter. McLaughlin will be the other starter. McLaughlin's been starting for three years now. since the Alabama game. He got thrown into the fire, but. Uh, but I like this O line. It, it, like I said, it should be the best since we've had since 2011. And if it's not up, it, it can't be any worse. Can, can it be worse, Robbie? It's like, impossible for it to be worse. I mean, Michael Burr literally got thrown around like a rag dog last year. Oh my god, he took a lot of sacks, and some of that might have been on him. But I, so much of it ha- had to fall on the porous offensive line. And I really think that they're going to take a step forward this year. It, the way it's being talked about, the way the coaches are responding to how they've been playing and the, the way they played in the scrimmage, the and, offensive line has been looking great. And the smackdown attitude. I like a dirty, kind of vicious offensive line that they're just ready to get in the trenches and just you know push guys around. And, and what like more could help you on an offensive line 
than going against the number one defensive line every day in practice. Like well, that can't hurt, can it? Well, I'm not done. I was going to bring this up during the top things that have happened and the worst things that happened. The worst thing that happened is we lost Joey Boza in Ohio State. And I'm going to bring this up now because I think it was Wyatt Teller that came out and said he was mad that Bosa got taken taken out for that game because he wants to go up against the best. And that's the attitude I want with all of my offensive linemen in the trenches. Well, maybe Teller was saying that because he's probably not going to be lined up against Bosa most of the game because he plays guard. But I respect the attitude. However, I am of the exact opposite opinion. I do not want to see Joey Bosa. I couldn't be more ecstatic. He's not going to play in that game. We lost, I mean, could we get any luckier, Hokie fan? We lost... Braxton before last year's game, and we lost Bosa, Jalen Marshall, and two of their other top receivers before this year's game. I'm loving it. I'm, that, that's because you're not married to an OSU fan that has to listen to it in the offseason about what happened the year of that game. <laughs> whatever it takes to get that win in Blacksburg, both Robbie and I will be there, and we don't want to see a loss. So I respect Wyatt for coming out and saying, like, we want to compete against the best, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I want to win. I want to win, and I'm. I think this offensive line returning four out of the five guys who have started last year will be able to give us a much better shot. They were much better towards the end of last year. We all know about JC's like strong end of the season, basically getting a hundred yards for the last four games. Um, and that was with, you know, that was with JC, which I love him, but we have more talented backs. If this line can improve upon what they did at the end of the last season, I think we could really do something special this year. We're going to move on to the quarterbacks, but before we do, I, I want to ask, Robbie, what are you sipping on? Right now I'm doing a uh, Racer 5 IPA. Uh, it's done by uh, Bear Republic. They're out of uh, California. Uh, Cloverdale, I believe it is, and it's one of my favorite beers. My wife actually uh, liked it a lot, so it's a great beer. I'm still drinking the Lot 3. I, this is not the same one as I was talking about before. Had a few of them, and I also tried one of the Firestones Robbie was talking about. But uh, we're going to get into the quarterbacks right now. It seems that Brewer is the absolute number one at quarterback, um, and that is that is all good by me. I mean, I don't think Robbie has a differing opinion on this. Brewer showed some great skills last year in some ways. Other ways, he wasn't as good. Um, I was curious as your thoughts on Brewer, then I want to give mine. All right. My thought was I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, making up <laughs> excuses, that sort of thing. But Brewer was not healthy. It just it, it just wasn't the case. I mean, he got wrecked in that Ohio State game. I think it was uh, it was a tough battle fought on both sides of things. And I think that he was not healthy for the rest of the game. He doesn't have a solid back. Uh, and I mean that as a physical no, back and that's not going I, well. I, I'm, I'm with you. After the Ohio State game, he, was, he got tossed around. There's no doubt about it. His back, I think, was severely fucked up for the rest of the season. But, pardon my French. But I will say, I like Brewer's moxie. I like his escapability in the pocket. He seems to have quick feet. Uh, he did get sacked a lot. I'm not sure that was all his fault because we just talked about how bad the offensive line was. I always like Brewer also on the run. He always seemed to show accuracy on the run, which not all, Logan never was able to show something like that, and Logan also never had a lot of pocket presence. And so those are a few positives I would draw from Brewer. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, doesn't have the greatest deep ball, but he does – do a lot of the little things well. And he has the intangibles. He's a tough guy. 
And there's only one last point that I thought, and this has been talked about on a number of places, but he said to his offensive line, as long as you guys keep getting back up, I'll keep getting back up, which that shows leadership ability. And I got to be honest, with his age and his maturity, I think that's a huge, huge thing in, in this day and age to be like, hey, I'll keep taking the hits if you guys keep taking the hits you, and trying to protect me. Absolutely. You can't deny Brewer's toughness. It's that UVA game, him coming back in when his shoulder was bent backwards, I mean, the guy showed the ultimate toughness and is everything you want to see in a Hokie football player. He might be limited physically a little bit in terms of height and whatever else, but he's got some wheels and he can do some things in the pocket that not a lot of quarterbacks could do. So I like Brewer as our number one. I think that he'll improve drastically on next year. Um, the number two, it seems like it's Motley. Yeah. I mean, it's it's or or a coin flip depending on how much yeah. Durkin actually comes uh, and produces. Durkin and I mean, let's throw Lawson in the mix too while we're at it. I mean, any of these guys, Motley has he came in and did some good things on the ground last year. I'm not sure I saw him throw a pass. Did he throw a pass I last year? I don't think so. I, no, but <laughs> maybe his, his wildcat was actually pretty impressive. No, in, in the Duke game, I mean, he showed some. He showed a little bit of versatility just running the football, but he. Trust in Motley to throw the football. I'm not sure it's something I'm ready to do right now. I, I, I don't. I don't have an answer here. I, I think tough. the coaches it's are going to have know. to. I think the coaches are going to have to pick this one out of those two because I don't. There's no harm in doing one or the other at this point because, sadly, what I think is going to happen next year, I think Lawson's going to end up taking the cake and it's going to be his show. And well, unless he loses, that's that's part of the thing is with me, the way that we've seen we've seen Motley. And even in spring, even in some of these fall camp snaps or whatever we're seeing, it's not that impressive. And if if and I don't want to burn Lawson's redshirt if Brewer's going to start all year, but Lawson has all the tools. The guy's six six. It's he runs like a deer. I mean, it, it's unbelievable to see what he can do with. It. He's flicking his wrist and it's going. I pulled up the Snapchat and I was like, "Who is that massive man?" Oh, it's just the twenty year old freshman true freshman that joined our team uh it's and then you hire you hire the quarterbacks coach from his high school and you bring him on i'm yeah, pretty I, sure that's... everybody's banking on him to to be the future of this program so if lawson seizes the role as the number two qb i'm fully okay with it because there will be snaps that brewer misses whether like a situation like the uva game i mean brewer's not a big guy He's probably going to get beat up a little bit. Hopefully he makes it through the season 100%. We don't have to burn a red shirt on Lawson. But if they think that he's the guy going into next year, would it hurt to get him snaps in the Furman game? I don't think so. I mean, and especially there's been a lot of talk about his age. I'm less concerned with his age and more about getting two two years of full productivity out of a quarterback. I think that's what we're all looking for, yeah, regardless no. of how old somebody is. We want two years of good productivity. So if he comes in this year, we're still going to get that, even if he burns his red shirt this year. Right, and when it really comes down to it, Durkin, Motley aside, when we go to Bristol next year, Lawson is going to be the starting QB. 
And Tennessee is not going to be a joke next year. They are. That is going to be a huge. I can't game. believe they popped into the AP top twenty-five today. They're, they are going. I, all right, this is going to be another one of those. Come back next year. Listen to our podcast. Tennessee is going to be in the top fifteen to not the top ten next year. And they so have a are the solid Hokies. Team. <laughs> probably. Well, hopefully, probably. That, that's what we're hoping for. But yeah, Brewers number one. Molly is the number two, as we know right now. Durkin, we're thinking, could be that wild turkey QB. And Lawson's the wild card. Maybe he steps up and becomes number two. Maybe he doesn't. If if he takes the red shirt, that's fine, too. Because ultimately, if he's playing any meaningful snaps, that probably means we're in a bad place. Yep, I agree. But So uh, do you think we – you want to finish this off and hit the, the special teams real quick and just kind yeah, of burn through that? Let's I go think, for it. Uh, AJ Hughes, I mean, the kid has a boot on him. We he lost does, him. but he, he was bad last year. It was horrible, but it, the, which was so unprecedented. I didn't understand it because 2013 was so good they for him. Said, you know, he had the back injury, supposedly, that was hurting his average. So AJ was hitting something like 44 yards per punt two years ago. Mm-hmm. Last year it dropped down to under 40, 39 point something, and which doesn't you know sound that much different, but – you could you watching the you're watching the games and every point you're like that just didn't look right. right. Like, nothing looked right, and he was probably hurt. Hopefully, and according to what we've been saying, AJ's back. Yeah. He's healthy. He's looking good. He's booming the punts. Uh, what do you think about the returners? Uh, I you know I, I I go back and forth. I honestly I don't pay enough attention to it in the off season, and I should and, and get on top of it. But I it's it's always just looked. Back in the day, it used to be Beamer Ball was putting your your starting, you know, basically your fastest guys on the field on on you know your return game, your punt game, and it's just it's always looked a little bit slower than it did five or ten years ago. I, I don't know mean. what the hell is happening. Yeah. I know what you mean, but I do like Stroman. Yeah. I do like Stroman. He showed something to me last year in the regular season. And then he took one to the house in the spring game. He did. He's got quick. He's got good hands, so he doesn't drop. He didn't. I don't think he laid one on the ground last year. I don't think I, so. That I remember. Um, he's good in the first ten yards. He makes a quick move. Um, you know, to the house. You know, he's not going to be that threat every week. Um, but I think I think he's good in terms of you know are the kickers Sly. I think is solid. I think it, I, I'd say Sly is solid to very very solid. I mean, so he was twenty for twenty eight last year. But four of his misses were beyond 50 yards. Mm-hmm. So he was 20 of 24 inside of 50, which is basically all any college kicker is doing. That would drop him into like 83rd percentile in the country in terms of kickers. Like he is a good kick for a freshman to come in with that kind of leg. I like Joey Sly. I think with our offense, which you never know how it's going to turn out, you need a reliable kicker and. I like Sly. I think that that think that we're looking good at the kicking positions, him and Hughes. And uh, just on the final note, on kick returns, they've been toying around and they've been using the running backs. I never really liked JC, although he has busted a couple that were decent, got back to the fifties, you know, fifty or the opposing forty yard line. Um, they've been trying McMillan out because of his speed. Uh, McMillan's a beast. It's a shame that like Dimitri Knowles years back looked like the kick returner we were going to have, and then he just. Last year in the UVA game, I didn't even want the football to come anywhere near. Dimitri Knowles has been somebody that I was so excited about. And he's been such like, a disappointment. It's just he caught a couple balls deep like early on, and then since then, it's he he looks like he would be great at track, not at football. <laughs> I mean, I got to be honest. It's 
And of note, just on the punt returner, like we did, we did say Stroman is going to be the guy, and that looks like it's going to be the case. But they were trying Kendall out and CJ Carroll, our uh, you know Kendall's buddy from high school. You can't well, put Kendall on anything else. I wouldn't. That. I don't want Kendall out there on punt returns as much as as good as he probably would be at it. But you know, I feel strong about the special teams. The record outcomes. I Me think and Robbie have some differing opinions on this. I think we're going to – well, we haven't – I think one of the best part of this is we haven't actually given each other That's true. our records. I or just have game a feeling game. knowing you. Yeah. Ohio State, do we win or do we lose that one? So you're jumping right I, into I, it. I mean, we got to go right in. I, I have a win. You have a win. I have a win. See, I, I'm going to go with the loss – only because it's the national champs and the revenge factor and all that stuff come from Urban Meyer. I don't doubt that we can pull it off just like last year. Here's what I say. Here's I'm trying the, not to be a homer thinking that we're going to just You're not win. giving me much here. All right, Devin Smith, I, and I'm also not trying to preview our preview that's about to happen here next week. We are going to try Smith, to do Devin Smith used preview. to spread the field for Ohio State. They don't have anybody that can replace that. Joey Bosa, I wish he was actually on the field because I think we could have taken him from an from offensive line standpoint. And I think he's by far the best defensive player and he's going to be the number one draft pick but I want him on the field now that he's not I think that our offense is going to be um, much improved even from what people saw in in the shoe last year and our defense I don't think anybody regardless of what conference you're in anybody has seen compare when it's compared to uh, Alabama and I think our defense is actually better than Alabama's me and Robbie are going to do an Ohio State preview to really get into that. But that's why we're not we're not touching on it. We're just going to. I'm counting there. it as loss. He's counting it as a win. Furman, what do you got? That's a win. They're that, terrible. They're that's one of the worst FCS teams they that stink. exist. Purdue. Purdue is one of uh, actually it's about equal with what the Big Ten actually puts out, which is um, uh, <laughs> they're the not a good team. Big Ten team. Yeah, but the Big Ten. I'm sorry. People, I actually am going to take this as a point. Most people want to rip on the ACC. The Big Ten's mediocre teams are actually abysmal. And, you know, Drew Brees, notwithstanding, Purdue stinks. Uh, that's a win. Uh, that'll be, uh, you know, we'll see Kevin Sherman again on that one. That was our old wide receiver coach. Now he's our, you know, that was three three wide receiver coaches ago. But anyway, at East Carolina, a team Speaking of we teams both that actually- hate. Yeah, I hate them, but actually they would be decent in in the Big Ten. Uh, I think ECU is actually a really decent team, just not this year. They graduated a huge amount of talent. I I think they were actually – everybody was looking around trying to wonder why ECU was doing so well last year. They are a good team. They have a great coach, and they have a lot of talent associated with that program. Not this year. They it did lose graduated. one of their coordinators, and not to mention Shane Cardin and a number of other big players. Like Shane Cardin gonna, had like what? I they're going to be hurting this year. They're going to be hurt. Yeah, we should win that one in in uh, in Greensboro. Pitt, Pitt, our first ACC game. You're up first. Good luck. I we all hate Pitt. Robbie and I have. We're, we're both in school and we we're still in the Big East days. We were at the Larry Fitzgerald game. We hate Pitt with a passion. I actually think we get this one. Oh, good God. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I like to be honest with myself, our players, and other people's players. James Conner, I think, is one of the most magnificent running backs that I've seen, and that's why he was all ACC number one. He was amazing last year. I think Tyler Boyd is a wide receiver that is not necessarily going to do what Fitzgerald did, but could be close. He's not as tall. Fitzgerald was real tall. And he beast. could go up and get the ball. I don't think Tyler Boyd's going to be able to do that, but I think he's going to be a rock star. So I I have this as a loss. You I, have us I losing just, a pit. Yeah, I, I do because of those two players. And the thing alone. is, like, I could see that happening. I'm going to I'm gonna put it as a win since we're in Blacksburg, but it makes me nervous. The following Friday night, NC State comes in the house. We're, the we're, we're recording live, by the way. Remember that? We have made an agreement. To record live. We want to record you know, somewhere on campus that weekend, but we'll see what happens. But I have it as a win. Friday night, NC State will have not have been tested at that point. They were out of conference schedules, a joke. Yeah. I think we got that one. I, I think, really do. I think what Jacoby... It'll be a good game, though. Jacoby Brissett, I think, is uh, unbelievable. I think a lot of people have... Um, you know, kind of some have the people that are tied into the ACC have uh, understood how good he is. The people that aren't have underlooked him. I think that's going to be a very tough game for us. I think we're going to pull off the win. I have it as a win, but NC State is nobody to fool around with. I think they're going to deliver a loss to either all the way, count them through, to Clemson, Louisville, or Florida State. One of those three, they're going to deliver a loss to this year. I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. I, I, I'm i a believer on the Wolfpack. I think they have a lot of potential. I just think that coming into Lane Stadium, uh, I think we're going to take care of them. I think we're going to take care of them. Uh, Miami, the, f- the next the next game is October 17th at Miami. The U. The old it's U. a win for me. I know, I know. You, <laughs> Kaya doesn't really uh, shake you at all. I don't give a crap about Kaya. <laughs> You're not worried about him? I'm not worried about Kaya at all. Uh, I, I actually, I'm not worried about this game. Surprisingly, I'm not worried about this game. I think uh, their O-line is shaky. I think they're replacing a lot of their O-line. And that with Bright Kaya would really kind of shake me. But... It doesn't really. It doesn't really bother me. They cannot get their program in order. It's they can't. surprising. I mean, Al Golden is a joke. Al Golden is. He feels he like he should a, be a good quarterbacks yeah. coach or something. And actually, I think that's the only thing he is is a good quarterbacks coach. He can't do anything else. He can't run a program. And I feel bad for the U because they should they, have been better sooner. Is that it's a, what we all would think from the Miami program and the Miami coach? Is I that know they this, should be better. this stat gets used all the time, but the fact is, and I'm going to say it again, is they had more people put in the NFL last year than they did for wins. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that's that not right. Not, that's yeah. not acceptable. Uh, so, needless to say, neither of us are super worried about Miami. But if you go down to Miami and you lose, you know, like you're not ashamed of yourself. But I think we got that one this year. Duke homecoming, they've lost a ton. I think that's a win for us. And I know Duke under Cutcliffe, I mean, they've done an amazing job. But that's a a win for us this year. Yeah, absolutely. James Crowder deserves a lot of – I'm so – yeah, I think he's an amazing player. I think what he did last year was unbelievable, but they lost everyone, including him. They've lost so much. At BC, God, I hate this game. 
I hate this game. I, I haven't. I wish mar- I wasn't born in. Boston. I have it marked down as a win, but <laughs> deep down, I just have a sinking feeling about this game in Chestnut Hill. I, I know the that they're saddest. not good. They're not projected to be good this year. But you go to Chestnut Hill, and it's literally like kids taking naps in like the parking <laughs> lot. Like there is no amped up atmosphere in this place, and and I, somehow. I, they still manage to screw us because they're used to it. Their players are used to like not well, when people come into Lane Stadium. People, you know, our players are juiced up. They're ready to go. But when you go up to Chestnut Hill, all their players they're not juiced up. They're just like, yeah, no, well, we're going to go play a game. And Adazio wants me to go friggin' lights out on this guy, and I'm going to do it. So they play a hard game, but it's it's not a pumped up game for the opposing team. At God, all. I mean, I just, I pray that we can come out of Chestnut Hill. We should win this game. We should, I have, I have, it, Mark, I have it a loss. I, you I, have it a loss. I, I'm not kidding. Chestnut Hill is the slowest, weakest place to play. So that's one of the stinkers in college football. Yeah, it yeah. just makes you tired and your team does not get amped up. And I have a loss in Chestnut. I'm, I'm going to take the win in Chestnut Hill. We're in a channel a few years back when we, uh, I think it was 19 nothing or something a couple years ago. But I think we got that win. At GT, that is going to be a tough game. We know what GT is capable of. For us or GT? I hey, I mean, GT. I'm hoping it's for them. I mean, we went down in GT a couple years ago in four days rest and took it to them. Yeah, they don't have a chance. Uh, I, I'm sorry that. They Bud don't have Foss- a chance? No. They've lost their entire – all their running backs are gone. Their wide receivers are gone. All they have is – Are you Justin not buying Thomas. the GT hype? Justin Thomas, I think, is amazing. I understand it. But that doesn't just make your triple offense like all of a sudden potent, as, as most people think. The fact is is that Bud Foster has figured out that offensive – you have you go back to the OSU game. There, people are blaming it on how Navy had it like went up against OSU, and then they had to play Virginia Tech next week. Next week, that doesn't have anything to do with it. The triple option is easily understood. It can be countered with the correct defense, and Bud Foster has countered it time and time again. It comes down to our offense, and our offense will be improved. And their offense is not that. I good. will say that last year. That Georgia Tech game is one that just got away from us. We had that game in multiple aspects and in tragic fashion let it slip through our fingers. And the year before, we handled GT. And the year before in Blacksburg, uh, when I went to overtime, we kind of handled them too. Like Again. We do have a good handle on GT. Last year... It was three point game. Oh right, my let's god! Not it got like away it, from it, us. It was a three there were so there were so many things that we did wrong. Bad play calls, uh, just glitches in coverage, whatever you want to call it. It got away from us. Right. So but you have. I have it as a loss, but I want to call it a win. But I'm going to call it a loss. <laughs> I, I have to call it a loss. That's how I ever. I have it as a win, but it's kind of a loss. But it's a win loss. <laughs> All right. North Carolina at home the following week. I've got it as a win. I, I I have it as a win as well, but I think our most interesting games, I got to be honest, week 10, week 11, it's going to be a lot of fun. I got to be honest. I know, I, mean, I know. And especially with Gene coming into to North Carolina, the fact that their defense was Gene Chizik, he's referring to, which is the new North Carolina you keep, defensive you, coordinator. You keep, anybody that doesn't know that, then we got big problems. Um, he is... 
amazing. He he can turn that program around on a lot of different levels. He just doesn't have enough time. And their their offensive potency is amazing. Like they are frightening. Towards the end of last year, they were putting they're bringing up a points. lot of people back. They were putting up points on everybody. And but I don't think he has enough time to put together even a mediocre defense. And to actually, I'm not make sure I agree with that, but I'm still gonna call it a win for VT. Uh, I think it's gonna be us and UNC for the for the Coastal title next year. That's that's my prediction as of right now. That's so that game will mean a ton, and I think we're gonna get the better of them. But um, but I have after years and years of hearing the North Carolina hype, I actually think they're gonna be pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean, it's only been eight years people have been saying that, so you're probably right. But, like, what do you think about the UVA game, though? That's one that's been weighing on you, I know, about that. Like, There's nothing weighing on me about that. The time Cop is amazing. I, I think he's He is the, a good head coach for fact, Virginia Tech. In fact, I think we should pump him up because the longer we can keep him around. We need Mike London at <laughs> UVA as long as we can get him. I think he's a he's an amazing recruiter. <laughs> I think he knows what to do with his players. I think that he's talented in a way of. Uh, I mean, he's really got it all. He if doesn't. All, he doesn't really know how to run the clock and no, actually call timeouts. Well. But I kind of respect him in the way he doesn't know how to call. But I do like the way he loses to us. I do like that, and yeah. it's always like it can be tragic. I mean, at times. calling a timeout is tough. <laughs> So he doesn't know how to do that. But so I like we're going to both call the UVA game a win. So your final year record, what do you have? I've said the same thing every time. It's 10-2. It's 10-2. and two. Overall okay. record, a conference is going to be 6-2. and two. I listed I listed a 10-2 and two also, and I was talking to Robbie about this before. I, I do think that we will drop another game in conference. Go 9-3. Um, I think we're going to go 9-3. and three. Uh, I don't know where it's going to come. But you know, tech fans out there know that we no, drop. I don't think that's necessarily true. We talked about some games that are suspect. I mean, we, we did. To, I think you can see where it will come. You're just basically saying that one of those. Close I'm hedging games, on right. one more loss. One of those close games we talked about will go the other direction. Yeah, that's that's how I'm hedging. I don't feel good about ten and two. I'll tell you that much because. We're thin. I the feel fact is better. We have a couple positions at thin, and I would rather be. I think we're should there's if we get nine and three or below, if we get below nine and three that's an embarrassment. Nine and three I'm is kind of with you on that. Did ten we, ten and two is where we should be. This team's capable with the talent we have coming back, with the defense that's coming back. We should hit nine wins. If we do not hit nine wins this year, me and Ra- like as any Hokie fan, me and Robbie included, we will be extremely disappointed. But at the same time, between nine and ten, like I, I really, you know, I can't be that upset if we drop an extra game. Whatever, I want to go to Charlotte this year. I want to go to a bowl this year. Obviously, if you win nine games, you're going to a bowl. You'll have two shots at that ten win, tenth win, and I think that this is the year. All the things are they're there. We should get that tenth win. I mean, I agree. Couldn't agree more. As you can tell, both Robbie and I have extremely high hopes for the Hokies in 2015. We want to thank everyone who listened to the podcast. We know it was really long. We were just trying to cover a lot of ground with this season preview. The weekly, uh, the weekly previews and recaps will be much shorter. Please tell your friends about us and subscribe on iTunes. 
And you can also reach out to us on Twitter. The handle is at 2DVT, at 2DVT. That's all one word. And the email is 2DVT at gmail.com. And if you have any comments or questions, just send them our way. Check back in with us next week when we'll be previewing the Ohio State game. That's certainly a big one. And until then, go Hokies.